0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today is number two on the supernatural church. Why do we want a supernatural church? Well, we were birthed by the Holy Spirit, so is the church birthed by the Holy Spirit. We're raised up by the Holy Spirit, so is the church. The same way the same Holy Spirit works in us as individuals as the church service in which we go to. That's why we need the touch of the supernatural in the church service, to take it out to the world and show them by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So join me today as we talk about the supernatural church.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Thanks for joining me today on Student of the Word. And yesterday we began a series on the supernatural church today is number two. We're going to talk today about the purpose of the church service, but operation again, why the supernatural? Why does there need to be a touch of the supernatural in the church service? Because not only did the Lord build his church through the word of God, but the Holy Spirit also built it, it started on the day of Pentecost. And what was mixed together was the scripture and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When Peter on that day said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that's the word, but what the word says is, it'll come to pass in the last days, I'll pour it of my spirit upon all flesh. So the church began on the day of Pentecost, the universal church, and then the first local church also began, which was marked tremendously by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of wisdom, word of knowledge, healings, all the different things that occur in the church service, callings of God on people's lives, such as in chapter six, where we have the seven men that were chosen now, the church and two of them are isolated in the next three chapters of the book of Acts, describing their supernatural, spiritual emphasis on their ministry as they begin to preach and teach the Word of God. In the streets of the city of Jerusalem and also in the far-flung areas of the world, the supernatural power of God was taken to the nations. Not only did they preach the gospel, minister the Word to the people, but there were signs and wonders and demonstrations. Where did it occur in the streets? Well, it started in the church service, and that's what we're here to talk about today. I'm offering my book called Life and Power, and these are the two major ministries of the Holy Spirit. we get born again, we have life. And then later on, he comes upon us for power, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that power is for signs and wonders and miracles to follow our ministry. In fact, the purpose of the power given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ is you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. So to help with the great commission, God has given the power of the Holy Spirit for laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. And this is what brought huge numbers of people into the street with Jesus' ministry and caused huge numbers of people to receive him as Lord and Savior. Because it says, by the end of that time in the streets, it says he laid hands on the sick; many of them recovered, and many of them believed on him. So this is the purpose of signs and wonders: it's not just to alleviate the suffering of people; that's temporary, but to introduce them to eternal life, which is eternal, forever everlasting. That once a person receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, God will do a temporary miracle so they can receive an eternal miracle. Because you know why? We can't deliver ourselves from either of them. We can't heal ourselves, and we certainly can't get ourselves into heaven. It takes the power of God to do so. Today, I want to talk about the purpose of the local church service. Why do we have church? last time when i was ministering in the last lesson i talked about the fact there's so many churches today that are turning away from the supernatural this is what the church was built upon the power of the holy spirit and the power of us receiving jesus as lord and savior the purpose of a local church service is number 1 that we teach and preach the word of god but we also do it with the signs and wonders and miracles and the very presence and power of the holy spirit in the church service this can come through praise and worship it can also come to the fact that we praise the Lord. And then we have, again, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover what should happen in the church service is not only the word of God being preached with signs and wonders for believers. And if any unbelievers come to church, which there are many that come to church, we can also pray for them. So this is the purpose of the local church service. It's found in Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12 says that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, For the edifying of the body of Christ. God has sent people in the church, apostles and prophets, evangelists, again, pastors and teachers, and the purpose of why we come to church is number one for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry is to take it outside the church and lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there is a long list of things that happen in the church service of which some of that is if there's any sinners present, they can also receive Jesus as Lord and Savior through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, the operation of the supernatural. So I ask you this, what is your life without the Holy Spirit? since Jesus' church is made up of people The church was birthed by the Holy Spirit just as we are. The very fact that we're born again comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so was the first birthing of the church in Acts chapter 2. It was birthed by the supernatural. The disciples were in the upper room praying and suddenly the Holy Spirit descended from heaven, came upon each of them. They began to speak with tongues. They began to prophesy. They went into the streets and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. And then Peter preached a sermon he'd never even heard heard before. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And when he spoke that out, I'm sure he was thinking, I didn't know that. This was a message given to him. And the people in the streets were amazed at these ignorant Galileans. And they used those terms because why? They were just people of nominal income, nominal jobs, uh, occupations. And they really weren't uh, people who had studied the word of God. But here was a fisherman standing up, proclaiming what had been spoken by the prophet Joel. And you're now standing in the day when this is started, on the day that the church began universal, also the first local church began and just as supernatural. So since Jesus' church is made up of people, the church is given life by the Holy Spirit just as we are. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit, just as we are. The church is guided by the Holy Spirit, just as we are. The church is perfected by the Holy Spirit, just as we are. The church is delivered from problems by the Holy Spirit, just as we are. And the church will be taken to heaven by the Holy Spirit, just as we will. Acts chapter 3 and verse 8 tells us the layman that was healed at the gate beautiful then followed Peter and John into the temple. What a great pattern. This man was healed of an incurable disease. This man was healed because he'd been crippled from his mother's womb, laid in the street, and this man was healed with walking and leaping and praising God. And the next thing was he followed them into the temple. Notice what helped win him over to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a sign and a wonder, a miraculous healing from heaven, and then after, Added to that, he followed them into church. We should be laying hands on the sick out in public. We should be witnessing to people in public. And the moment they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we should be willing to go pick them up and take them to church. Meet them there, have them sit with us and welcome them because the most important thing after a person receives Jesus as Savior is to get rooted and grounded in a church. The church is what tells us about what Jesus has done for us and then begins to give us strength for our daily walk. The Great Commission has two parts. Number one is for our salvation and number two is for our spiritual growth. Salvation by the gospel mainly occurs out in the world. Notice Jesus didn't say go into all the churches and preach the gospel. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is the main place where probably 90, 95% of all evangelism takes place is in the world. Then we bring them to church because the second part of the great commission is discipleship. And this comes by the teaching of the word of God and the teaching of the word of God mainly occurs in church. Yes, the teaching of the Word of God can occur outside the church. I love to hear people tell me on the job they've started Bible studies and the Christians get together and and understand the word of God and eat their sandwich and drink their coffee or their coke or whatever and then have a Bible study there. But again, the main place where gospel is preached is outside the church in the world. And the main place discipleship takes place is inside the church. Those two go together. That's why when Paul and others went into different parts of the world, they preached the gospel in the streets. But by the time the book was over, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, they had built local churches. So the people could come and then fulfill the second part of the great commission. And that is discipleship understanding God's word. So the main purpose of why we meet together is not just to win souls, although churches can, And we should, I think, at the end of every service, give an invitation. If there's anyone here today that has never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, someone brought you to church, or you've hit a roadblock in your life, and you came to church looking for the answer, the answer is found in a person. His name is Jesus. And then from that point on, his word is what will strengthen you, guide you, and give you strength in your daily life. So we mainly, again, come to hear the word of God in the church and be nurtured. We come to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through worship, spiritual gifts, and the teaching of the word. This is why we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in a church service. This is what brings the supernatural presence of God in and literally does tremendous things in changing our life. The Holy Spirit comes along with the word of God and he helps reveal the word of God and teach it to us. So again, we do give invitations for sinners who come to the service. And I think that should be done again whenever in the service or especially at the end when they can come up to the front and we can have workers help them and lead them into the presence of God and they can find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Our first thought is not what the sinners think of the service or how we look before them. You know, let's not become like David's wife, Michael, looking in disgust at those who acted free to worship the Lord. And oftentimes when we have freedom in the church service, the pastor begins to sweat and think, oh, what are sinners gonna think about this? Well, I can tell you this, who cares what the sinner thinks about it? This is our house. We act like this in our house. You know, if you invite someone over to your house for dinner, and they look around your house, they can kind of begin to see how you live. Well, this is what happens when they come to church. This is our house. It's not your house, it's our house. In our house, we praise God out loud. We lift up our hands and we praise him in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of all these people, and God blesses us, heals bodies. And when they begin to see these types of things happening in church, listen, they won't feel bad about it. They may feel convicted, but that's good. They'll accept Jesus as their savior or else they'll leave This was the craziest bunch I've ever seen, but they won't forget it. Let's not become again like David's wife Michael. She looked in disgust at those who acted free and began to worship the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 21 through 23, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me before your father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play before the Lord. That's on instruments. I will yet be more vile than this and more base than this in my own sight and of the maidservants which you have spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. What this verse is saying is David bragged about the fact he wanted to dance before the Lord. He bragged before her that he wanted to play his instrument before the Lord and the daughters of the land enjoyed what he did because he magnified God. She thought it was below his dignity for the king to act like that when it was really part of his dignity to rejoice before the Lord. So what I'm saying is we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church service. I'll see you right after the break.
1: The Holy Spirit has always been with man, but only in a limited ministry before Pentecost. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit lived in a temple made with hands and came on individuals at certain times to do a certain task. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, not just to let us in, but to let the Holy Spirit out. From that day until this, the Holy Spirit desires to live in every person who will be born again. In Life and Power, Bobby Endian carefully examines the Holy Spirit's ever-present role in our daily life, the types and shadows that explain his ministry, and how the world was changed when he came into the Upper Room, filling New Testament believers with boldness and power. Life and Power is available in book form as audio CDs or downloads, video DVDs, or as both audio and video on a USB flash drive. To order Life and Power, visit bobbyandian.com slash lifeandpower. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, But the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, Come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bobyandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.
0: When it comes to the local church, when you remove the supernatural, you remove your future. What will be the future for churches who reject the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing that's attached itself to the teaching of God's Word? Well, lack of power produces lack of impact. Today, in our times of personal distress and national tragedy, people are looking for real answers for real problems, and they're looking into real churches, not just churches that advertise this, but they want to walk in knowing the presence of God is there. Listen, the presence of Satan is supernatural. It's in our nation. It's in the world. We're moving more and more toward that all the time. Why can't we have a supernatural power of God that is greater than the supernatural power of Satan. So just as many denominations have become lifeless and can be manipulated by the world, so have individual liberal churches become today. You can't give the world an inch, they'll want a mile many churches will not speak out against national sins, such as abortion, homosexuality, pornography, and many churches have sinners and even carnal Christians as their ministers from the pulpit. Jesus spoke about this. He called it leaven, and he spoke about three types of leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, and the leaven of Herod. Why would we want to bring so much of that into the church? Jesus did say this, a little bit of leaven, leaven's a whole lot. Any woman that produces a meal will tell you she needs a little bit of leaven to put into the bread and all these other things. And, you know, just a tiny bit of it, but too much of it is not what you need. And Jesus talked about an overabundance of it. Matthew chapter 16, Verses five through seven says this, "'And when his disciples were come to the other side, "'they had forgotten to take bread. "'Then Jesus said to them, "'Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees "'and of the Sadducees. "'And they reasoned among themselves, "'saying, it's because we've taken no bread.'" Verse 12, then they understood how he spoke to them and told them not to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Mark chapter eight and verse 15 says, Jesus also warned of the leaven of Herod. Let's talk about those three types of leaven, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and then Herod. The leaven of the Pharisees is salvation or spirituality by the law or legalism. In other words, it's not just believing in Jesus. You have to add a whole lot of works to it and actually display your salvation in front of everybody before you really have it. Then Jesus warned about that excess. Next of all, the Sadducees was denial of the supernatural. The Sadducees did not believe in angels. They didn't believe in the power of God. And so they denied the supernatural. The leaven of Herod was the social gospel preaching on politics all the time, and we brought in and bringing in from the world the teaching of the world into the gospel, into the church on social issues. So here's what happened with the Pharisees. Again, we have the law and legalism. We need to have teaching on on honoring God and not sinning, but we don't need to take it to the excess that your salvation is determined by keeping the law, by legalism, or by your works. The Sadducees is denial of the supernatural. Many churches take it to the excess, but what God was simply saying, you've got to have the operation of the supernatural in your church, but yes, again, let everything be done decently and in order. Herod, the social gospel, we need to understand something, We need to have teaching in our church on the sins of our community. What lines up with the word of God, we need to preach on that, but we don't need to go overboard on that to where we preach on politics all the time. Leaven causes bread to rise. The bread doesn't weigh anymore, nor does it really become bigger. Leaven makes the bread look bigger. It allows air from outside to come into the loaf. We need some teaching on these areas, but we don't need excess teaching on these things because Jesus said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Of course, we need spiritual guidance for life, And we also need spiritual guidance for sanctification. Sanctification is a part of our life. But if all you teach on is sanctification, people begin to get the idea, I can only please God by my good works. You please God with faith. Balance on the supernatural is also necessary in a church service to speak out about good laws and bills that are pending and needing to be passed are also to be brought out in church. And we should tell people the proper way to vote. Those that are backed by the word of God, those are standing on biblical principles so they'll know who to vote for. Again, the early church was supernatural. Let's talk about the beginning of those that were chosen in the church to help in the ministry, in the local church, in the teaching of the local church, in the working of the local church and helping all those who were attending. It's in Acts chapter six, verses one through five. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The word here is the word for deaconing and simply means that the people needed help with just the natural things of life as they were handing them out in church. Let's talk about this. There were widows in the church and their husbands had died. They had no form of income and the church was helping them, bringing them food, bringing them some finances, all this, but they needed people to help them do that. This is not such a spiritual side of the church, but the natural side, which our spiritual side backs behind it. Why do we care for widows? Because we love the widows of the church. We take care of them because they're part of the family of God, not just simply because they're widows. So these widows were neglected in the daily administration. Verse 2 says then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples. This is the whole congregation unto them and said, it is not reason or pleasing to God. God, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." Wherefore, brothers, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. What business? Taking care of the widows of the church. This is not like counting offerings or, or filing or bringing in legal things, knowing about the legal side of the church or what to do with the money and what banks to put. That has nothing to do with this. This is the daily taking care of people's needs in the church, and the widows happen to be the one at this. Time. And finally, verse four says we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then after Stephen, again, others were chosen. The congregational members were to look for young, faithful men, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Notice the two things they're looking for, the Holy Spirit and the word of God in them. Find them those that are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. You know how they were full of the Holy Spirit? They were not only filled with the Spirit, they spoke daily in tongues. They kept themselves filled with the Holy Spirit, and they also kept themselves filled with wisdom. How did they do that? Well, they study for themselves, but they also come to every church service. They're there to listen to the Word of God, and they're full of the Holy Spirit. And so these young men spoke with tongues, and they attended church and studied the Word of God and were ever-present to hear the sermons that were preached. Even the smallest of responsibilities that they had required men full of the Holy Spirit and full of the word of God. In every Old Testament story, we have the same analogies brought out of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the word of God. So in the furniture that was in the tabernacle, every piece of furniture from the smallest to the largest was to be anointed with oil. So in the New Testament representation from the pastors in the pulpit to the evangelists out on the field to the prophets, all the way down to the men they chose here just to help the widows, Everybody needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like in the temple and in the tabernacle, every piece of furniture was anointed with oil. God took of Moses' anointing and gave it to everyone that he laid hands on, and that power just kept multiplying. In the same passage we have there, speaking of those that were chosen, verse 8 through 10 tells us what happened to the first one chosen. His name was Stephen. In Acts chapter 6 here, verses 8 through 10, Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain ones of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and Asia disputed with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Notice what he took out of the church service, the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. If our churches do not have the teaching of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, what are the people going to take into the world? Notice this. They were able to answer everything that came to them, every argument that came to them. And Stephen is this representative out in the streets. And no matter what they said to him, he had an answer for it. He wasn't raised around their religion. Stephen here is a man that just was in church. Young man gave his life to Jesus, started studying the Word of God, and he found himself on the streets, and he was suddenly come against him by those who were religious. The religious crowd came against him, started disputing with him. Notice they didn't just talk with him. They argued with him. They tried their best to overwhelm him with the things of the false religions, or else what Judaism had turned into, and for everyone he had an answer. Oh, his sermon is incredible. It covers such a great distance in the book of Acts and is noted as one of the three best sermons of the entire New Testament, right up there with Paul on Mars Hill and right up there with Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. So Stephen knew how to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. He had learned about them in church. Notice this, he understood the word from church. He understood the power of the Holy Spirit from church. If we then fill our congregation with the word of God and teach the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and also have praise and worship under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, have miracles in church from the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what the people will take out with them. And listen, if Stephen can do this, I believe members of the congregation, whenever they're confronted with a knock at the door and someone's standing on the front porch, they begin to tell them about some false religion, they'll be able to answer them from the word of God. Signs and wonders confirm and complete the word of God. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. And these are those that... Went forth after Jesus spoke to them, but also these who come forth out of a church service, just like Stephen did, Mark 16 20. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Notice this when the people go out of the church, what do you want? As they minister to people, witness to people. What's going to come with them? The anointing of the word of God. They're gonna know the word of God. Next of all, God will take that word that they are using and follow it with signs following what they're going to do is the disciples learned this from following Jesus, then they taught it in church. The miracle ministry of Jesus was taught in the early church and Jesus' ministry was found doing miracles and teaching the word of God. Acts chapter one and verse one, here is what uh, Luke said. The former treatise, that's the book of Luke, I have written, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Jesus did miracle signs and wonders and he taught the word of God. What do you think is our example? Jesus himself. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse
1: free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.